This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Wait, hey, we're back. Uh, we're back from Christmas break. People sent me messages. They said, you know, uh, we've missed four podcasts or four or five games, and it's been the best four or five games in the history of Arsenal. We're gods of football. We're going to win the league. You know, why didn't we podcast? I not to send you any more messages. <laughs> All of them were from Darren, who is also our one listener, uh, despite being on the show. Um, and I wrote, I, and I wrote back to people, and I said, "Look, Christmas is a time for getting fucking drunk and wanting to belt your children, not for getting up at seven thirty in the morning and doing podcasts." And besides the fact, when the games are every two days, it's so much hard fucking work to do it. So anyway, we didn't do it because we couldn't be fucked, and we don't get paid for doing this. We only really do it because we enjoy it in a cathartic manner. So fuck you for anyone who was disappointed that we didn't podcast. We're here podcasting now, which is amazing. Um, as always, I'm joined by Darren, well, Deli Guna. Well, the thing um, is for me is obviously it was either doing a podcast or building Lego. So I think Lego comes first. Mate, I built fucking glitter. Uh, I built How do you build glitter? Because you're going to make it. It comes in a pack, right? And you've got like the base... And then you add the color to make the color that you want. So you made glitter, not build it. No, well, I built it. How do you build glitter? It's not a fucking house. You can't build because it. building and making is the same thing. No, it's not. Okay, is was this pen made or built? It was made. Bollocks! You can build a pen. How? How? Define build. Like Jesus build a house, Christ. build a structure. That's not, that's, def- not a structure that's not a structure or anything to that. you know. Like that's not a structure, is it? It's a fucking pen. It's made. Build? A, do you build or do you make a computer? I build a computer because it's a structure. It's not a fucking structure. It is. Have you seen mine? It- Bollocks! I built that. You fucking made that then by your own. No, definition, I built it. There's a it. difference. Learn fucking English, you Aussie cunt. I advertised this podcast to some people over the last few weeks, people who got in contact with me, my old uh, people I used to do the podcast in India for, and I said, yeah, you should listen to it. It's fun. Let's just hope they turned up (laughs) 10 minutes late for this one, shall we? I often tell people to just skip through the first 10 minutes of the podcast anyway. They don't often start with an argument. (laughs) <laughs> no, either starts with an argument or it starts with some kind of analogy to do with a hand job or a dick. That's yeah. the general. Well, well, someone's a con. You're always the first <laughs> voice we hear. <laughs> Predictable, if nothing else. Uh, Darren, we're going to win the league. Well, let me just say this. I think the last time we did a podcast, which was um, a while ago now, not just Christmas, just just reasons that we couldn't get together. Generally, you, Max. <laughs> but we we sat together, it was probably six weeks ago, did a podcast. We just lost to Manchester United and Everton. I was calling it a bump in the road, and you two were throwing your, your toys out the pram and both wanted the manager sacked. 
Okay. Since we last did that podcast, yes, this is the Oracle speaking. Since we last did that podcast, we've uh, we've won five times, lost narrowly to the champions elect, scored 20 goals, conceded just four. Am I the Oracle? And are you two just a pair of miserable cunts? Or have I missed something? Well, well, even a broken clock, Darren, is right. Right, Twice a day. Twice a day. (laughs) So, you know, if you keep talking shit to the point where on, I'm, actually convinced, I'm actually convinced... <laughs> Surely it's got to be more than twice. I'm not a I'm broken actually convinced clock. you need to employ a small Filipino boy to walk around after you with a damp cloth, rubbing the shit from your chin as it trickles from your mouth. But for once, Darren, that shit has come to fruition. So I will give you, I will give you that much. Do you two feel embarrassed by your... your- Toy no, because Mike and I have always held Mike and I have always held the same line. I think Mike, I can I'm gonna speak for you here. Uh, all right, let me speak change. for you both. Oh, we're all doomed. We're doomed. Uh, we're doomed. What we've I think what Mike and I said, right, and what Mike and I have said from the start of the year was that credit where credit is due and fucking what's the opposite of credit? Criticism. <laughs> where criticism credit. is, De- is debit. debit is the opposite of credit. <laughs> Okay. So we have been speak English, we, have, we have been full of praise when we have been good, and we have been full of criticism when we have been bad. Game and by in game. Those, in those, yeah, absolutely. You look at it game by game. And Dan, this is how you don't get ahead of yourself. And this is how you don't become the quintessential disappointed Arsenal fan. Now, Dan Potts and Lee Judges, right? They're friends of ours. We 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 know them, we've spoken to them. You know, I watch Dan them Potts now has been on this show. Right, Potts has been on the show many times, and I'm like, Dan Potts must literally be eating his own shit right now. He must be tasting the flavor of his own shit, and you know why? Because he went too deep. Dan went too deep down the the Mikel Arteta, I don't like you, everything is shit train. And now yeah, that but, train, you know, look, I don't now know the guys. having to reverse that train. I don't feel like I've got to reverse that train because I've prefaced everything I've ever said with I hope for the best. When we're bad, I'll say we're bad. And when we're good, I'll say we're good. But isn't game there... by game, Darren? Oh, game Mike, by game. Say something, Mike. Go on. Talk <laughs> no, no. Me. I'm just saying we I, we said it from the start. We're going to take it game by game, and we have taken it game by game. Um, when you turn around and say we're all doomed and stuff, I don't remember either of us saying that we're doomed. Listen to the last podcast we did. Listen to the last podcast we did. I spent an hour arguing with you two that you've got to look at a longer pitch here. This is a project. It's a project that. We have all, or we all have to buy into, and it's so exciting. This is the best project, the best Arsenal I have watched for fifteen years. I mean, this is the best. It has been so miserable for year after year after year, and you can see what they're trying to do here. And with the young side, there's going to be times where it's going to be disappointing. So that's the time you really need to get behind this team and see the projects and get behind them. The fans at the Emirates are doing it. I have never known a better atmosphere at the stadium. Never. Darren, how many games have you been to recently? Well, I've been to every home game. Okay. I'm going to so, Spurs away. So can, can we have some insight, Darren, into... Because Mikel Arteta keeps talking about the relationship between the team and the fans. And he, he keeps saying in his press conferences that the team is delivering for the fans and the fans in turn are delivering for the team. Is that palpable, Darren? Can you feel it's that in the stadium? So. And can you explain to me what the difference is 
if you can put it into words, what the difference is. Of course, I can in put the it atmosphere into words. when That's it's when I up. Do. <laughs> There's some real big mitigating factors. COVID has really helped. It's killed a lot of old miserable bastards, <laughs> and it's Wish scared it off. And it's scared, <laughs> and it scared <laughs> off a load of old miserable bastards. There is a definite demographic shift in that stadium by 10 years at least downwards yeah so first of all you've got people going to that stadium for the first time this is really important i uh, say so there's a good i would say 10 to 15 maybe even 20 percent of the audience has changed there's those people who really didn't like out of football but they didn't want to give up their season ticket to arsenal who have decided to quit there's a lot of old miserable people who just want to sit down and be entertained they haven't come back to the stadium. So it's been refreshed. And the people that you have there now are there to support the club. And then what you can see is effort and a plan. You can really see it. And the crowd from the first to the last minute are 100% behind that side. We go a goal down, we get a goal conceded against us these days. The fans start singing. For the last 10 years at that stadium, we go a goal down and it's Jack as a cunt. You know, and he's a cunt and he's rubbish and he shouldn't go. Yeah. And I, I'm not even going to, I won't even take it with Jack. All of those things are true. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? I, I've been, you, you, Max, we've been doing this podcast for a few years now. And you've heard me for years. I'm not Jacques's biggest fan. I'm really not Jacques's biggest fan. But I look at what I see and he's been playing well. Um, he's still got a Jacquerism in him, in him. Yeah. But he has been playing well. You look at the the marks out of ten on any website, whether it be the no, BBC no, we'll, Arse blog. Jacka, Jacka is always at the bottom of the Arsenal scoring because that's our blind, blinkered view of football. Watch what you're seeing. Watch that football. Watch those young kids work their nuts off for this side, and you get excited about this project. It is not going to be a short term thing. This is we are talking probably the end of next season before. We see so, Darren, real just, very quickly, just very quickly back to the crowd. So the team, you're saying that the crowd is up for two fundamental re reasons. Number one, the crowd can see a plan. And if the Arsenal, you, you're telling me that if the Arsenal fans can see a plan, if they can see the effort, if they can see the structure, then they're much more resistant to negativity. And two, you're saying that a lot of the negativity was a cohort of old, miserable bastards who had been they'd had too much pain they'd gone to too many games and pay, paid for too many games or are you saying it's a generational thing and that now that you've got a younger generation of football fans I mean, it's younger it's different there is a, a palpable difference in the atmosphere the people that are there i can even say put it down something i wrote you know we probably want to talk about at some stage safe standing which has been brought in where I sit, I'm at the corner flag in the Emirates, in the in sort of what the North Bank and the East Side would be. I'm in that corner. I'm in the corner flag. We are right in the in the worst situation where, for the last five years, we sit down, we stand up, we sit down, we stand up, because you know it's one of those that when when it gets exciting, people will stand up, we all stand up. But generally, we sit down. Now, the block that I'm in and the block to my left, which was always seated, have stood every game for the last eight matches. We stand and watch football. Now, I know that so sounds I a little silly thing. I can't sit down and watch football. Even when I watch football no, no, in my agreed. Living, I walk around the, I'm, yeah, I I'm walk standing. Around yeah, 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 me too. But what I'm saying is, is that football hasn't been like that. We have sat down, stood up, sat down, stood up. Now, I didn't sit down for the last six matches. We've been standing. 
There is a whole different atmosphere there. And when I talk about a plan, we've talked that Arteta's taken a long time to get to something that we can identify with, but it's watching the players give every ounce of effort and every player give every ounce of effort. There's no Urzel in that side. There's no Alexis Sanchez. There's, there's, there's all those players that... You know, we're not talking about how good or bad these players are. We're just talking about players that sometimes didn't buy into it. And you can see Emery had the problem. Arteta's had the problem where you've got three or four players. Abamyang is the latest, you know, where they just don't really buy into this project. But what you can see now is every week, every single player working their nuts off. You know, I'm not getting carried away with this. We have just beat, we've just been beaten by Manchester City. And everyone goes, oh, that was great. And it was probably our best performance for 15 years. But we played a Manchester City side that had played 48 hours before. They were knackered. Uh, we were at home. We were much, much better than them. And we still lost. Yeah. So I'm not getting carried away. There is a young team here that's going to have to learn from these mistakes. Another bump in the road. There's going to be a lot of them over the next year. But there's something that everyone is getting behind. And as you, you know, you said to me the other day, Max, it was the worst thing you could have ever said to me. You support with your head, not your heart. Well, don't bother, because if you want to be an analyst, then get a computer and, 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 and look at the numbers. To be an Arsenal fan is about passion and heart and tribalism. And that's back at the stadium. And it has to get spread out to all you people who can't get to the games that I'm fortunate enough to get to. Get behind them. Get excited by this project. I love it. Loving it. This season, I'm enjoying football more than I've enjoyed football since the really successful Wenger sides of the mid-20s. Uh, Right then, I guess we, we should just end just the podcast up. now. We should just fuck yeah, well, that's it. That's covered everything. No, I'll, uh, I will. I will. <laughs> I'll stick my. T- I'm gonna say I'll stick my ten pence in here as well, like saying about fans and stuff. I've been to a few away games this season. I'm going to our next away game in the league, which is Tottenham away. I've, I've oh, actually got a ticket for that. How do you get tickets? I deserve a ticket, but uh, it's not. It's not. Get me a ticket. It's not what you know, it's who you know, mate. Um, yeah, I know. I only know you. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, so, but I, I can I can vouch for uh, what Darren's saying about the fans and stuff. You, you know, there is a completely different aspect in the way the fans are, have been this season so far. And uh, I've, I've had a conversation with quite a fair few people I know who, who's been to away games this season and said the same, you know, the away fans and even the home fans. It's It's changed dramatically this season compared to, you know, Compared to last season, how much it's changed in the stadiums and stuff. It's 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 fantastic. And you know, being a part of that as well is is brilliant. Um getting up and singing. Um when you say sitting down and stuff, I've never sat down at away and at an away game, to be fair. Um mm. the only time you do sit down is probably at half time when you can't be bothered to go get a pint or a drink or something. You just sit down on there and then as soon as everyone's back, it's actually kicking off. You stood up again and you're watching. So um, I will say, yeah, just to, just to try, but the, you're right, the away fans, it has always been slightly different. I'm lucky enough to, to go away occasionally. Yeah. And it, it generally, people do stand up at away games. And it is yeah. the real passionate tribal supporters that... It's the it's condensed, it's a condensed version of the Emirates now, what, 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 what it is now. Whereas before, it totally really wasn't. You know, you'd still got the singing and everything with the away fans. But it won... You know, I can't, I can't explain it. The way it's changed, it, it's it's brilliant at the minute with being an away fan and going to these games and stuff obviously i haven't been able to get to the emirates this year uh, i don't know when i will be going to the emirates this year to be honest with you 
So, yeah, I'd like to be able to experience well, I've, the, a home I've game, to be honest. tickets for the last six games, so if you ever want to go, it's it's a... a yeah, it's, yeah, um, I, really like, like I say, I've, I've I've got plenty of contacts and having you there as well as another one that's it's even better for me. <laughs> it's always a case of getting tickets, so I'm never out, I'm never without one, if I'm being honest, and it's, it's nice to have. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, Mike, what's your... I guess as we enter the new year and we are in the position that we're in um, and taking all of the things that we saw last year into account. So we saw, a, you know, obviously a period of a period of poor form followed by a period of form followed by a couple of games of very, very difficult now to answer the questions of why those two games were poor in Everton and Man U into another run of good form as well. If we just take the year as a whole, 2021 as a whole, and not projecting forwards, not projecting ourselves into what we're going to finish and where we're going to finish, but if we just look at this this year as a whole, um, if you had to give Arsenal a grade this year, what's your grade for Arsenal and what's your justification? Well, yeah, like we said before, criticism where criticism is due and obviously praise where it's due as well. Uh, obviously, yeah, you know, I think more to the point of last time we did the podcast, I was just trying to wind Darren up with it all, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, he's a very positive person, so I, I just like to be that negative just to wind him up even more. But uh, So I probably did go a bit over the top on a lot of it. So, But I've been impressed this season so far. And if we're going to say, for argument's sake, we're in January now, we're at that halfway point of the season, what I would say the halfway point of the season is, even though it's technically it's not, is it? Because... How many games we played so far? Well, we're at 20 games. So, you know, so it is, you know, like last game would have been technically the halfway point. Um, so if I'm being honest, I wasn't expecting us to be in the position as we are now. Um, I was probably, if I was going to say where we, where I thought we would be at this point in the season so far, we'll probably say between six and 10 in, in that round mark, I'd expect us to be there. I thought we did, you know, uh, that's what I thought we would be at the end of the season as well. So to be where we are now at the halfway point of the season, being in fourth and looking really strong, played 20 games, we've got 35 points, uh, we're a point above West Ham, who, who's below us, and then we're two points from Tottenham, who we got next in the league. So that's if we win that game, that's just going to put us further away from him, even though they've got two games in hand. But if I was going to grade it, I'd Grading it for me, it's it's got to be at least an A minus. You know, no one no one expected us. This is what I wanted from you, Scunny, because it's yeah. got to be an A. It yeah, it's got to be. be. It has to be. I can't. It's above expectation. It, it was above expect. No, Darren's nodding there, but it's above expectations for where I thought we was going to be at yeah. this moment yeah. in time. So yeah, Darren and can and Darren can go. It'll be an A star and whatever else. That's up to Darren. But for me, I'm a C plus. Oh, you're so Who's being negative now? That's not negative. Yeah, yeah but you know why? It's going to be going to win the fucking league. No, right? no, no, and, no. I thought, and this is the thing about perception. This is the thing about perception. This is the thing about different fans. And I, I try and convey this sometimes on Twitter. If you've got fans who go into a game thinking we're going to win 5 0 and we win 1 0, you know, there are certain sections of fans who would be upset by that 1-0 because they would say, well, why aren't we going out and putting four goals against Norwich or five goals against Norwich? They think the pass mark is, 
well, because Norwich is a poor team, because they're bottom of the league, you've got to put five on them. So therefore, you know, if it's not five goals win, then it's not an A. And if it's a one-nil win, then it must be a C. And, and this is the amazing thing, because you've got different people in the room with different ideas and different histories. And we've got, but I think one of the things about this podcast is you've got three different types of fans. You've got an international fan of a certain age, you've got an away fan of a certain age, and then you've essentially got a home fan who's old and decrepit, whose penis looks like a, a old Chinese recorder that got microwaved. They are a giant, a giant old Chinese. With novels and, and, and horns on it. But I think that's the interesting thing, Mike, because for us to say it's an A, an A grade, we've got all of these losses in there that people would say were diabolical. And well, we that's why you're talking nonsense. Max, no, right. but it's not, it has to be an A because we we didn't expect to be here. Exactly. Therefore, it's an A. I agree well, with you, Mike. It's an A minus. It can't be an A. It's got to be an A minus or a B plus. C plus. Right? That's sort of where I live. But I want to put the A there, Mike. I'm, I'm yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I've, I've got to call it an A because we're performing better than I thought we would be doing. A lot of these young kids of, you know, yeah, all right, Darren Zeen like that. But like I say, I was winding you up last time. I'm trying to be honest with myself this time and with honest with you guys. A lot of these young kids have settled in really quickly, better than what a lot of people thought. You know, players are starting to improve. You know, you got to look at Partey. At the start of the season, everyone was slating him and everything else. But in the last four or five games, he's improved massively. And in the last game against City, Jesus Christ, he was probably one of the best players on the pitch, in my opinion. And <laughs> sorry, I've I just was, read that. I was just, I was waiting for why not to put up a Arteta out. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, so you've got to see that as well. And you've got to think as, you know, with Erdegaard as well, no one really thought of him anything last season when he joined for six months, you know, for the last part of the season in January. He wasn't really well thought of at the start of the season. Now look at him. He's, he's making plays. He's, you know, he's, he's an improved player. You know, you've got to look at these players that we are looking at and think these guys are improving the team. So this is where I've come down to. Yes, it's an A minus. I'm not going to say B plus because I don't. I think it it deserves that A. Yeah. In in my opinion, it does it does deserve that A. But to to where Darren's going from saying it's a C, I, mate, it's I a C plus. I, I don't get anyone it. in anyone in the comments. Just type in a type in a letter for me. Can I, just, can I, I just, give you my justification? Max, you asked the question. WTT Humbo? Why not? Just you put are, a letter in the. You asked the question. Let me justify because. <laughs> this is where look, last time we spoke, he wanted the manager sacked, and maybe I never I, said I, that. Maybe I've sorry, never said sorry, the manager sorry, needs sacking. Sorry, can we just? I did last season, but say, this season I haven't. You you were both very negative about the whole situation last time we spoke, and now a few games later, where we're beating the teams at the very bottom of the table and lost a game that we should have won. Now suddenly you're in the A's. Come on, get some get some sensible thoughts in your head. Let me just tell you. We've had a season that we've played 20 games. We were absolutely trashed by Manchester City. We were absolutely trashed by Liverpool. I was there. We, can, sorry, can we, uh, we... We lost at Brentford, yeah? We we struggled for about eight games after that, but managed to put a run together. And when we were talking about that run, we all agreed that it was a bit like Unai Emery's run, where we were getting results, but we weren't actually playing very well. 
Okay, then we lose at Old Trafford, a game that we were as good as, if not better, than Manchester United. Then we lost to Everton, who are probably the worst team on form in the Premier League at the moment. They've won one in 16 games, and that was at home to us. Okay, then we have a little good run. We've beaten Southampton, we've beaten Norwich. Yeah, we've, we've, uh, you know, there's some good results in there as well, Leicester and West Ham. That doesn't suddenly make this the perfect answer. If, if to be an A, I want us to be challenging for the title. And we are not challenging for the title. We are improving. We are doing better. We are no more than a, a C plus, B minus at best. But let's look at the project and really look. We have had a very well, That's what I'm grading on. I'm grading run. on what I can see in front of me in this season so far. We've played 20 games. We're sat in fourth. That's what I'm grading on so far. That, you know, you've got to look at it in that sort of sense. I know I'm not silly enough to think that this team that we've got right now should be challenging for first place. You know, we shouldn't be challenging for the title. I know that. I'm not silly enough. What we I thought played, we was at the... We just played the, the champions-elect off the park. Why shouldn't we? Yeah, we did. For, but, for, 40, for 40 minutes. For 40 minutes. Yeah, but they, I'm not... We can play. And No, what I'm saying is, yes, we did. We, we you know, we, we just lost to Man City on for whatever reason. I'm not going to go into technicalities on this one. But you've got to look at it in the sense of where we are position-wise. I'm not going on game by game. I'm going on where we are position-wise and where we are it, it, with it there. And looking at the looking at the table right now, I see us sat in fourth place. That to me, for an ask for for where we are now, like you said, in the position that we're in, uh, the team with the team not being really set in yet, we haven't got certain plays that we need in certain positions. Where we're still, you know, it's a learning squad, it's a young squad. How can you not rate it in the sense of an A or a you know A minus or a B? B plus because no one expected us to be sat in fourth. Nobody. If you if you I thought we was going to be sat in fourth in this position, okay, let me, you're telling yourself absolutely stupid. What's more important? Performance or position? Because position ultimately is the thing that dictates when we take the next step. The two will go hand in hand over a long season. Well, you're the saying that they, you're, you're essentially saying that they don't. You're saying, well, look at all these poor performances. Therefore, it's got to be a C minus. Kind of asked. Let me ask you both a question. Grade us on the last podcast. What would you have graded us? Oh, mate, we were a fucking you. See, look. So uh, I thought you meant done? us. Sorry, I thought you meant us oh, three, no. as in us three. Oh, I would have. I would have. I would have graded us before this this last run. Do you know after we got beat by Everton? I would have given us a C because I think we were performing to the level that I expected us to this year, which would have finished as six or seven. Okay, so Correct we go. Mind? So we uh, go. We go I'd from, probably go C plus. Okay, yeah. so we go from a C and a C plus. We beat Southampton. We beat Norwich. You know, uh, we get beat by. We Manchester lost to Southampton last year, and we lost to Norwich last year as well, didn't we? We lost Norwich both. Norwich in the fucking Norwich in the, the, the fucking league last year. You know nothing, nobbed. Norwich were in the fucking championship, okay? We beat Southampton and, and we beat Norwich. Um, who was the other games? We've beat West Ham, we've beaten Leicester, Leeds. and we've lost um, We've lost to... Oh, yeah, Leeds. No, I'm, I'm counting Leicester. That was before all of this. Thank you yeah. for that. We've beaten Leeds, who hadn't, hadn't won at the time for about six matches and had half a side out. We beat Southampton at home. Yeah, We would beat Norwich away. Those three games you'd expect us to win. So you've both taken us from a C... 
plus or minus to an A minus on the back of winning three games that we should have won and losing to Manchester City. Darren, when was last time we got through a December period? When was the last time we got through a December period this clean? And this been a long fucking time since this period hasn't fucked us. Historically, we've actually been in better positions running into November and gone to fucking pieces once we've had the calendar bunch up on us. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Usually during the winter period, it's it's normally the time that we get fucked over by a lot of fucking teams. Do you remember, was it the Southampton game where the cunt scored the worldie and then we never heard about that player ever again? It's like the best goal, the Bernard outside of the right boot, the Essien fucking shot. That was right in the heart of fucking December as well. And that buried us one year. So, like, I am... <laughs> I understand this sliding scale of like goodness and badness, like Spider-Man versus Venom. Like I get this whole fucking thing, but the, I, I can't give the team less than an eight because at mm. the start of the season, if you told me we'd be in fourth after a bunch up Christmas period and playing Tottenham to own that fourth, I mean, and own it outright, as in bunched up games, everything when we play Tottenham, we'll own that fourth spot. If you had told me we'd do that, I'd have given you a hand job and looked you right in my fucking eyes while I, I did just it. wish you were my teacher. I could have fucking done fuck all, and then you'd have got me a fucking A grade. Oh, <laughs> given you an A grade for effort, Darren. Yeah. Oh, he had that really good lesson. Do you remember? He got everything right once. Well, that's how it works on a test, isn't it? You know, if you get things right on the test, you're happy days, aren't you? Yeah. You know, well, you, could do we fuck, you could do absolutely nothing for the full year at school as long as you ace that test. You ace the test, you're happy days. We're grading on the whether season. or not you've got the bloody things written on your hand. I was you know, about to still get an eight. Mike, that happened to me in my uh, my my final history exam. I didn't fucking go to the tech. I didn't go to class for six months. I smoked bongs in the park instead. And then I went in and got this incredible fucking score. And so naturally they questioned whether or not I'd cheated, which obviously I had cheated vigorously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but could Sounds they prove that. it, Mike? They could have been a referee. Oh, I don't oh, want to... You know there, there's the Man City dig ref. <laughs> can I just say I am deliberately not talking about the referee. Every fucking podcast had to spend 40 minutes at the start talking about referees Can I just and talking add my, about, and my talking about Arsenal it. being hard done by. Max, Max, That's Max, football. Max, Get on with it. Can I just add my two pennies because I brought up referees. My irritation is with the supporters, not the referee. You know, my irritation this, is with the supporters. This, for, for this, this concept that Arsenal fans have that we are, that there's some kind of agenda against us. But it's back to my spend- C+. Plus. You know, you're you're giving us an A. We've just had our central defender who is having it not only a, a wonderful game, has had a wonderful season, get sent off and cost us that game. You know, yeah. you know that this is this is not A or A minus material. This is stupidity. He's a dunce. But it's a sli- it's a sliding scale, Darren. In yes, the it next is. game, I could easily drop us down to a bit. It's not like you have to set it and forget it. It's well, not, a fucking, it's based on the it's not a George Foreman grill. It's based on the season so far. Yeah, it's, it's so we've got to look at it. Before. The next time I'm going to grade, next time I'll be grading is at the end of the season. Yep, yep. I think this is a halfway at this at this. It's like a mock Darren. exam, you know. This is what we're expecting, <laughs> and then when we get to the season, this is what you really get. <laughs> All 
All right, so let's talk about some let's talk about some things because I've got some things. Well, let's talk about some players because as always on this podcast, we don't really talk about games. Everyone watched the fucking game. Everyone watched the City game. It was a big erection, a massive splooge, and then a huge letdown. We we couldn't get up for round two in the bedroom. That game was much like my wedding night. I had a lot of plans. I had a lot of dreams for what might happen. And then Dream when I got there, ejaculated. when I got there, I could not rise to the occasion. It was purely that penetration had to be achieved to consummate. And after that, the deflation of my dick balloon could begin, which is exactly what happened. And so I really feel <laughs> like the Arsenal City game is a marital night erection for a drunken fool. Um, best possible ideas, worst possible outcome. Um, but I don't want to talk about that. Not the wedding so much. Fine to talk about my my impotence. But uh, I don't want to talk about the city game so much because everyone's been there. Everyone's talked about it. It's all done. But what I want to talk about is a couple of things, a couple of topics, a couple of ideas. Um, the, a lot of podcasts haven't really spoken about this. And so I wanted to cover it off with you two guys. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe has shown an incredible amount of maturity to be essentially the guy who got us into this position and then be the guy who's actually been forced to step out of the team due to a small injury where Erdegaard has come in and, and is now very heavily cementing his role predominantly in his relationship with Lacazette. Um, how do we perceive this kind of rolling out over the remainder of the season, do we see eventually it getting to ESR and him sort of crumbling a little bit, his body language losing a little bit, or do we think that with the imminent additional games of whether it be Europa League or whether it be Champions League football, that these guys are young enough and smart enough to see that there's enough steak on the plate for everyone to have a meal? Uh, I don't know. I think it. it but the- well, the SR is showing great maturity in that sort of sense. You know, you you know, you often see players kicking off some somewhere along the line or saying something that they need to play. Look at look at the state of Lukaku at the minute with Chelsea. You know, all he did is talk. You know, he talking about how he wants to move back to Inter Milan and stuff. So, you know, for Smith Rowe to to be this mature at such a young age, it's it's brilliant for us and. You know, and he's coming on, he's pretty much a super sub as well, in fairness to him. Um, but yeah, you're right in the sense of yes, it's it's good, you know, he's got us to this point, he's he's put us in this position, but he's happily bowed out in that sort of sense to come on as that super sub and be that guy we can rely on as well in that sort of central mid area, that central forward area where we have that three base play with either you know, with at the minute with Martinelli, Erdegaard and Saka and come on for either any of them. He can move on to any of that line as well, which is, is great for us. Can we give credit to the manager for that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, th- I don't think that you, I don't think that that maturity comes, but like it must come internally from the player, hmm. but the manager has to be able to get a squad to all buy in together and to all be able to come in and come out even look at Martinelli. He was nowhere to be seen in the first part of the season and people were banging their drum. And Arteta said in a press conference early on the season, he's got things that he's working on. We see his talent, but he needs to do the things for the team that we want him to. 
And then he integrates him Martinelli into the team and Martinelli does everything that he's asked of. So yes, Darren, the answer to that is I do give the manager quite a lot of credit. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you can't not give the manager credit on that sort of sense with, with this, you know, with the state of the squad at the moment as well. You know, the attitude of the players and everything that's that's come along with it. You can't not say the manager hasn't done a good job in that sort of sense. If people are saying that he hasn't done a good job because of, you know, with the with the attitudes and stuff, barring maybe one with a Bamiyang, but that's a completely different matter. You know, you got to take that one bad apple. The rest of them, they're all fine yeah, and loving the guy. games and playing well. I think a Bamiyang situation is absolutely key to to it. Is absolutely yeah. key. Club captain, most expensive or most highly paid player, and he's fucked him off because he didn't buy in like the rest of the team is buying in. And when he's got people yeah. working their nuts off in training, he wants to reward those players with minutes in the first team, minutes on the pitch. And when yeah. you've got somebody who's who who doesn't seem to care as much as everybody else, then what a good decision. Let's get him out of the side, make an example of him. And it's given an opportunity for Martinelli to come into the side and play exceptionally well. And every yeah. time Smith-Rowe has come on, he's played exceptionally well. And you ask about Emil Smith-Rowe. I asked you, you two this question. I don't know if it was the last podcast, certainly on a previous one. And it's my favourite question. When you look into the future and you look at Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka, they're, they're joined at the hip. They come up through the academy together. You know, they're, they're both stars in this young Arsenal side. In in five years' time, who's going to be the superstar out of those two? Do you remember my Do you remember my answer to this question? I think you said Ainsley Maitland Niles. No, I didn't say Ainsley Maitland Niles. I said I said Gabrielle at centre back. I and it was months and months and months ago. And I said I said by the end of this season, and ESR, and you. I said by the end of this season, you'll be talking about Gabrielle. Yeah, but I'm not talking. You just missed the whole point. These two have come through together. They're playing the same. They're the same age. They've come through together. Saka's in the team at the moment. Emil Smith rows out, but I see I that Emil Smith Rowe is going to be the future at Arsenal. I think if you look back, if, if you look back through my tweets over the last couple of weeks, Darren, I've been tweeting vigorously that whatever contract Saka is on, it needs to be made a big boys contract at the end of the year because I think that we've got one of the top three youth talents in the world at the club and I think that on the balance of this season it's getting to a point where we have to stop talking about Saka being young because he's not just good for his age anymore he's good full fucking stop we, so we don't have to worry about keeping these players as long as the progression continues this team yeah, but the sharks into... are gonna circle the sharks are gonna circle Darren I never I never if, thought if Sesk, I never thought Sesk would leave us if we are competing yeah. for the Premier League title and for the Champions League, then those boys will want to do it at Arsenal. The key is to keep this squad together and to add one. I said a striker was top of the shopping list. I haven't changed my mind. If we can add one, maybe two, sift out again. We've got another sift to do. There's still some players that don't fit into this. And, and those players will stay at the club because they would like to win the league with Arsenal. And we've got some time to do that. Is there a worry, if there is a remaining worry about Arteta, because we're not all why not sentiments and want to burn him at the fucking stake or throw him in a river and see if he sinks or floats to work out whether or not he is in fact a witch. Um, but is there <laughs> is there some fear even from people who 
appreciate and respect Arteta and can respect and appreciate what he's done. Uh, is there some fear that he maybe can only manage a very specific type of personality and that if we are going to eat at the top table as to say you you need to bring in some of these, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, this, this top talent kind of personality, you know, these Aubameyang kind of personalities, is there some worry fifth time I've asked the question uh, as I talk over myself. Uh, is there some worry that he can only manage this very, very specific type of player? Possibly, but that's okay. I've got no issue with that because it's very key to buy in the right sort of player. We've seen that uh, he, has, he hasn't got on with Ozil. He hasn't got on with... With well, in this case now, Abami, and there's 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 some players along that along the way that he hasn't got on with, can't work with. So it's just key to recruitment. It, the, the the mentality of the players we have brought in is superb. Tommy Yasu, Aaron Ramsdale, Gabriel, you know these players are really fit the personality mold that we need you know incredibly so they've, they've hit the ground running they're working their nuts off they really believe in what the manager's trying to do that's got to be the the type of personnel we've got to attract to the club we are not, if we went and bought a 70 million pound if we bought so let's say Lukaku fell out of Chelsea and we had 100 million to spend it would be a disaster for this football club we we don't want to buy an Mbappe we don't want to buy but can you win can you win everything without without those types of players would we have been the team that we were without Henri do you not need one mercurial uh, but Henri is, the, Henri is the perfect example of Arsene Wenger's um uh, tenure at the club hmm. oh, uh, Thierry Henri was a substitute, uh, you know, he wasn't He wasn't playing first-team football. Okay. He was a young kid. He was a winger. He was going nowhere. Patrick Vieira was on the bench somewhere as well, you know. Henri was on the bench. They weren't getting first-team football. We had a manager that saw the right personality, people that were dedicated, that would work hard. Arteta is building what Arsene Wenger built 20 years ago. It's beautiful to watch. He's got rid of the mentality. The, the poor, the bad eggs in that in that team are going one by one, and we've still got some sifting to do. We still can't get rid. We still own, you know, players Torreira and and, and Ginduzi. You know, these are players that we've still got our books out on loan that are going at the end of the year. You know, he has got rid of those players. I liked Ginduzi as a player. You know, he was one. Of, I thought he was a real talent. He didn't have the the attitude that is required by Mikel Arteta to succeed at this club. As long as he is at the helm, I think he will continue to get the right style of player in. And, and, and that's what he's doing so well. you got to remember right. he managed at Manchester City or he was assistant manager at Manchester City with their superstars. So I'm sure he's aware of how to handle them, but he's, he's selected what he wants in this side and it's working. I know you're unhappy. I know you wanted to sack him six weeks ago, but he's he's it's working. <laughs> You know, it's a long project. End of next year. That's when we'll, we'll we'll judge. Mike, we're currently hammering down the straight in fourth gear. And we need to find those next two gears to kind of propel us into the future, into the next part. Um, we, we are over a second behind. We're not quite in DRS zone to overtake the teams in front of us. Mike, what are the gear shifts that we need to make 
in this in whether it be in this new year or whether it be into next year what are the gear shifts that we need to make to be able to propel us forwards that's a good question actually to be fair i think darren's already mentioned one in the sense of we definitely need that striker um we do need a prolific striker and be that a young upcoming striker i think you know, to, compared to what you guys were just talking about a minute ago with for, with the right attitude and the attitude that the manager wants at the minute and, you know, to develop at the club, then, yeah, I, I'm all for that. You know, it, it can't do much harm. I wouldn't, personally, I don't think I would like a big profile name for 70-odd million like Lukaku. You know, you're always going to have issues with these kind of players. And... This is that's that's the other issue with them ones as well. You've always got them issues with them, you know. Look at Abamyang. We bought him for fifty million. He had a couple of good seasons, and now look at him. You know, just because he's not buying into whatever's going on at the club or for whatever reason, um, when he signed that contract, he's just not seemed to have gone anywhere with it. But to get that next to, again as well to get to that next level, I do feel we we need another central midfielder preferably in a defensive style central midfielder um i don't, don't as much as, as much name, as we no say the name name of the player but are you saying no no i'm just saying I, i'm just saying like i'm not saying the name of the player but i just feel we need a an upgrade to the sense of what we've got at the moment so you're saying a kente-esque player to allow preferably to yes because yeah. if you look at that kente-esque player that Kante S player will win you trophies. Mm. Darren, you had a question, young man. All I was going to say, you're asking, you say we're challenging along in fourth gear and what do we need to do to go on to the next step? What's been the difference? I mean, it's, for me, it's fairly obvious. The difference in the last game or two, maybe three or four, compared to the rest of the season, was Thomas' party has come to the party, finally. Mm. Is that not mm. fair? You know, we've... I've been so critical of, of Thomas Partey, so critical because I haven't seen anything, anything in his play that warrants to me the, the big signing on fee. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything that's made me think, why is everyone so excited about this player? In the last three or four games, I've started to see it. And in the last game, we had somebody who boss a midfield and suddenly that team all clicked. It all worked. So what, what do we need to, to, to improve from here? We need Thomas Partey to become a consistent, regular, top-class performer week in, week out, which is what all of the others in that team are doing. We need him to start to hit form. And then alongside him, we need someone who is going to be the same. At the moment, we've got Granite Xhaka, who's performing really well, but I think we'd all like an upgrade. Yeah, mm. I've just seen it there. Digi Scott, hopefully a Declan Rice. How about Declan Rice? You know, and to me, if we could, if we could afford, and worth, if he wanted worth, to come, Darren, if you, is he worth eighty million? Because that's think, what we'll end up going for. I think I've got a lot of West Ham fans, and I've actually been to see West Ham with them quite a lot lately. I think Declan Rice is probably the best midfielder in 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 the country at the moment. I think he is, he is by far. West Ham fans, you know, just to say they're so scared that someone is going to go. I, I, if I'm going to be honest here, if you're going to go for that sort of type, I think I'd go rather go for a Calvin Phillips. At Leeds, you know, he knows how to run that, that team. He knows is, he is a very good player and he's a very good defensive player. Is and not only that, right that he's got a great fucking pass on him. 
Mm. See, I was looking. Who's this? Uh, this bloke from France. We're looking at. I was watching his videos the other day. This bloke from Lille. Everyone's saying we're gonna fucking get someone in the comments. Who the fuck am I talking about? Um, someone anyway, from was... France. It narrows it down, yeah. but it's someone from France. <laughs> I don't think it was Kessie. Was it? Is it Sanchez? Renato? Oh, Renato Sanchez. Right. I was looking at his videos the other day, and all I could think was. I don't think you're a, I don't think you're the fit. I don't think you're the partner to get the best out of party. Thing is that I'm 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 seeing with Thomas Party. I think Thomas Party needs someone to give him the freedom to be able to utilize his passing game more. And I get that, you know, people are saying, oh, well, Jack is the one sitting deep. Jack is not really sitting deep. Party is playing box to box, and Jacka is playing quite safe in kind of the middle ground as well. So Look, for me, I think I'm with Darren. I think you need a genuine... You know what I'm I still hate? hoping that Sambi Lacombe will be that hate, man. I'd say I hate mm. to say this, but I would have loved to have seen Torreira and Party play together because Torreira, for me, even though he's... When Torreira was playing a genuine kind of sweeping up DM, sideline to sideline across his box position, Torreira was amazing for us. A much maligned Arsenal player. His first six-month little stint at Arsenal was fantastic. I also think, as much as I hate to say it, and I don't think his personality would fit, I also think a Genduzi-style player would play quite well with Thomas Party, not Genduzi exact. So it, it's a it's an interesting thing. But look, we're all talking about the gear that changes the gear that moves us forward is a midfield gear. Hmm. You know, most people would no, say no, we've no, got no. to go sign that eighty million pound striker, but no, I think most striker that midfield I, gear I, is important. I haven't watched a single YouTube clip of him, but the guy who's scoring all the goals in Italy, who's twenty-one, that we've apparently made an offer of sixty million pounds for. Um, Volvacek? No, no. Valachuk? Uh, I thought it was. Well, maybe. <laughs> Maybe just sounds like you're calling the chickens in from your farm. Yeah, uh, it, look, Volvacek, Valho, fuck you, Vlaholic, Vlaovic, Vlaovic. Thank you very much. Who is that? Vlaovic. Um, that was Russell. Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about him as a footballer. But what I like the fact that we're looking to spend a lot of money on someone who is 21 years old. I like that. I like the fact that this must fit Arteta's bigger plan of somebody. This team, Arteta must be looking at this team. He's building a team that's going to compete for the Champions League in, what, three years' time? You know, that's 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 got to be what he's looking to do. Um, he's, he's inherited a lot of shit. He's inherited a lot of misery. And he's slowly putting together a side of young, um, fresh-faced, enthusiastic, good, fucking good footballers. If, if that striker fits the bill, somebody who's in that sort of Martinetti, Saka, um, Emil Smith-Rowe age group, and yet he's already scoring goals at the highest level, I think that would be a really good signing. Yeah, I'm going to say, when you say about Bissouma, I don't think the uh, the person who he uh, was fiddling about with is not going to let him come to Arsenal, to be honest. Yeah, people still keep talking about Bissouma. I'm like, I don't think he might fit the culture. <laughs> Somehow, I think it might um, be just you know, I, I think uh, I think he's taken a leaf out of Mendy's book from Man City, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think okay. So 
I know, I know we've been, been sorry, I've just had a look now and I know I've just been looking out. I forgot his name if I'm being honest with you. But we're looking at uh, Alexander Isaac as well. Um Swedish, he's only 22 years old and he's at Real Sociedad. Um yeah. I don't and know if there's talks about him already moving or I'm not too sure, but I know so that's I looked been... him up the other day, Mike, and he is essentially a faster, slightly more athletic Lacazette. So mm-hmm. not going to deliver you more than 13, 14 goals a year. But to I sort he was of a midfielder, to, wasn't he? No, to, a just, to just sort of track back to what Darren said about Thomas Party, there's actually a threefold thing that has happened with our spine as well that's allowed Thomas Party to do that. And that's bringing Lacazette into the team who drops off, who doesn't run away from the midfield. It's bringing Erdegaard into the team, who is more of a connective number 10 rather than a running 10. So I think when you had ESR in the team and you had Aubameyang in the team, the reason why ESR couldn't work in behind was because they're just both running away from each other and then no one to link. We had these problems where people who were going to the games were telling me you could physically see the donut, you could physically see the hole in the middle of the park. Well, Lacazette coming deeper has allowed his two wing forwards to pincer in and go ahead of him. It's allowed Erdegaard to come out. It's pushed the wing backs up because the wing backs are pushed up because the wingers are pushed up, because the striker has dropped off. It then means that the line is higher. When the line is higher, it's a loud party when he's getting on the ball to be on the centre square and beyond the centre square, not back behind the centre square trying to work out what the fuck to do with it, playing triangles with his right back. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been the bringing of Lacazette into this team and the removal of Aubameyang. Now, whether that was attitude-based and people are saying, oh, well, maybe moving Aubameyang has changed the attitude of the team. He got chinned. You know, it could just be that this tactical piece, this one small tactical piece of having a striker who drops off has changed the whole scope for everything. And that's kind of dragged everyone forward and pushed them higher up the pitch. Possibly, Max. But isn't there two things? I mentioned one, the thing that's got diff- that's made a difference in our last podcast, I said that this year playing with Aubameyang is playing with 10 men. And I was very critical of Aubameyang because I watch football and he's, if he's not scoring goals, he, he doesn't add to our team. I mean, that's, that's something I think we all I've, agree on. I've been yeah. saying that for yeah, yeah, say, think, ever since this start we started on yeah. Aubameyang, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, so I say I think we all agreed on it. If you, if Aubameyang's mm-hmm. not scoring, it's it's like playing with 10 men. Well, by removing Aubameyang and Thomas Partey's improved performances, and we've had a, an 11th man now in Lacazette, who's been mm-hmm. extremely good, his hold-up players improved incredibly for somebody at his age, his improvement in a short space of time has been incredible because that's that's been our problem all season. He's connecting the front to the back, isn't it? We've looked very solid this year at the mm. back, but we haven't been able to, to 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 drive that ball forward into the attack because Thomas Partey has been hopeless. Uh, um, Jack has been Jacker, and we haven't had anything. Now with a Thomas Partey that's playing well and a Lacazette that's actually holding the ball up, suddenly it's all working. Give me an upgrade right, on Jacker. Right. But if you go back, if you go back on previous podcasts, I mentioned about this with uh, with Lacazette a, a while ago about how he brings the wingers into play over than what Aubameyang does. I've mentioned, I mentioned it a while back. I don't know if it was when, even last year, when we was playing in the cup with me and Corey were doing a show. I think we mentioned it then as well in the cups. We were playing better in the cups than we were in the league. And this is the difference between, because we were playing with Lacazette, we had Saka and we had Martinelli or we had it and Mill Smith-Rowe. And we was, we just seemed to, the going forward, we just seemed to link better. And now that's come in, 
and now he's played in the league, we've noticed a huge difference. Lacazette is pretty much is has been a very key player since he's come back into the squad, and Aubameyang has been ostracised out. So, but bringing that in, yeah, but that's that's what I mean. But if we got if we got a player like, say, for instance, like you said with Isaac, um, he's only going to be a fifteen goal a year player. But if you're getting a fifteen goals from this player, and you're getting fifteen goals from Martinelli for argument's sake, and fifteen goals from Saka, and fifteen goals from ESR, who cares about having a striker that's going to give you thirty goals a season when you're getting goals from everywhere else? Reminding you about Pires starts reminding you about Lundberg. You know, yeah. starts reminding you about Will Tord. You know, back exactly. when we were getting we were getting ten goals from from these guys. Everywhere you know, 10 on the pitch. Goals. Mm. Yeah, everywhere. You on know, the you're pitch. A, you're a threat everywhere. Yeah, and I think in modern football, because we were we were built up, we were born into a world where you had 30, 35 goal a year strikers. Right, our peak period was Van Nistelrooy's, Drogba's. Louis Sahas, Thierry Henry, you know, these guys who racked up the goals at such a high rate. You know, football has kind of gone away from that. I mean, other than Aguero in the last five or six years, I can't... Oh, well, Harry Kane. Jamie Vardy. Yeah, actually, I might be talking out of my ass. Yeah, but you've got to look at it. It's the older style. It is that older style. It's that older style player, isn't it? When you think about it, you know, uh, Mo Salah's more of a winger. So, but you know, this guy's Sorry, you know, Mo Salah's a freak. In twenty plus goals, week year in year out. Sorry. Yeah, but then yeah, again, so we when can still do with a thirty plus goal a year striker. Let's not say we don't need it. Talking nonsense as usual, Max. Yeah, sometimes the words are coming out, and I can smell the shit on my own breath. Is the shit? Well, if you if you look at through. if you look at say for instance, in argument sakes, is probably one of the best uh, strikers that in that the league's seen for a long time in Aguero. In his last couple of years at Man City, he wasn't getting any kind anywhere near twenty goals a season. I, I'm not. I don't think anyway. But he actually changed his style. Don't forget, because Pep benched him. But but for you know you got to look at Pep changed style. his style. And the way Man City played. You know what, with Aubameyang, it felt for me this year that Arteta asked Aubameyang to change his style. Hmm. And that Aubameyang did, to an extent, change his style. He he definitely ran more. He definitely pressed a bit more. He definitely tracked a bit more. But it feels to me that where Aubameyang fell down is that took away from the thing that he cares about. And the thing that Aubameyang cares about for me was never team. It was never we, it was always I. He was a goal scorer. He needed to get a certain amount of goals. And as he put in that effort at the start of the season and he wasn't getting the goal return, I think that he fell to pieces with that. The captain's armband never suited him. It never suited his personality. Can I just it was say pointless that, giving it to him. I think the ab- only reason absolutely. why he got the captain's armband is through default because there was no one else in the squad. But can I just say that the captain's armband suits Lacazette? Hmm. There, there haven't been many people who have had the armband over the years that I've I've looked at and I've said, that really suits you. That really suits your style of play. It suits your personality. I yeah. like Lacazette with the armband on. He wasn't hmm. someone, when we were talking about captains, going back ages of podcasts ago and, you know, it was like Bellerins and Holdings and guys like that we were talking about. We never really mentioned Lacazette. We never really gave him a look in. But I've got to say I've got a huge amount of respect for what Lacazette has done. He's not going to stay at the club. And he hasn't just done it for us. 
but he's obviously done it because he's part of us. But I will say that this last couple of months from Lacazette, and he will continue until the end of the year because that's the type of player he is. I would say that Lacazette has just made sure that he does not go back to France and finish out his contract as an essentially nothing. He's done enough now that clubs are going to look at him and he may end up at an athletic. He may end up at a decent Spanish club, a decent Italian club, and be able to go and win something. And I'll give him a big pat on the back quick and a big question, hug and say, love having you. Quick question, Max. It's relevant to this, although we've just gone to an hour. Um, quick question on this. If Lacazette continues to play at this standard for the rest of the season, retains his place, we don't buy anybody in January, and he continues to perform to the same level he is now, is there a good argument for, for giving him a, a couple of year extension? I already I said two weeks ago I'd give him a two year contract because whoever you bring in, right? We're a team of kids, and one of the things, and I'll, I'll give Xhaka some credit here as well. One of the things that I've quite liked about bringing Lacazette back into the team is that now you've got Lacazette, Party, and Shaka as kind of three older heads surrounded by this dynamite of youth. I now think that if you took Shaka out and you put another kid in there, it unbalances the leadership on the pitch somehow. And if you take Lacazette out and you put another 21-year-old kid in, I worry that if you go so deep into youth that you don't have the older mature heads to carry that youth to pull them back into line and, and essentially allow them to be the Martinellis and to be the Sackers. So I would absolutely offer Lacazette a two-year deal. I think we offered him maybe a one-year extension. It wasn't enough for him. He's on good money. He'll be on... If he extends his contract on what he's on now, I think he's on about £150,000. I doubt that he'll go... Even on a bossman, I have doubts that he'd get more than £150,000 in Italy or £150,000 in Spain. So I feel that if you offered him the armband, if you gave him a two-year contract... I feel that he, if, if we're doing well and the project is looking good and we're bringing in good players, that he may look at that and say, no, you know what? I sat here, you know, I got bought in as the main man. Aubameyang got bought in above me and I outlasted him and I took my spot back and I've got the captain's armband. Okay. I, fe I fear that if we ship out all of our maturity for dynamite youth, we end up with too much dynamite and not enough boat to carry the dynamite. To, so so to following on from that... So good answer. Following on for that, Mike, with age and experience being quite key to this young team, Aaron Ramsey, would you sign no. him back at the club? No. 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 Good. What a lovely way Hell to no. Do it. I know there's I know there's a big talk about, you know, uh, even Cesc Fagrabegas coming back and Jack Wilshire. Um I did make a point saying, yes, I think Jack Wilshire makes some kind of sense if you got him back we'll now on a pay-as-you-play for the rest term. of the season. Yeah. yeah, You know, he's been training with the squad for the last few months now. He knows the ins and outs of the squad at the moment. And I think with Thomas Party going to the Cup African Cup of Nations, it makes some kind of sense to get him on a pay-as-you-play. And Jack's a central midfielder. He is a yeah. central midfielder. He fits the bill. He's got a passing range. He's apparently fit. And he's in like the top, what was I reading the other day? He's in the top three or the top four for all of the metrics 
in training, like running meters, repeat yeah. sprint, all this stuff. Like apparently he's he has yeah he's been doing really really well with the training regime that we've got with him because he's training with the first team squad, so he does know the ins and outs of what's going on at the moment. So it, it makes some kind of sense to get him back on a page. Ramsey right. makes no sense when you go to Ramsey and Fabregas, do one no. Because Not Ramsey will come, Ramsey will come in and will immediately, whether he tries to or not, he will immediately take up a leadership role. He will immediately be a, a guy who people look to and they say, "Wow!" So, regardless of the money, regardless of whether you got him for a hundred, like less than a hundred thousand pounds a week, it doesn't make sense to go and throw a spanner into something that's that's being created. It, it doesn't make any sense. You're importing an old fashioned an old Arsenal mentality into a team that is driving forward to have a new mentality. Good. Well, also, That's can I just make a quick, sorry, Darren, just That's make a okay. quick point on that as well. Because part is going to the African Cup of Nations with bringing Jack Wilshire into it as well. It doesn't upset the apple cart too much either in the sense, because he's still here and he's got the experience and he's a hail envoy as well. So he knows Arsenal. He knows how it works. He played good. with Arteta. He'd be good for the young boys. He, and, yeah. and I'm sure he is good for the young boys because they can look at him and be like, you played against Barcelona and were essentially the next fucking Iniesta, the next Xavi. You were England's wonder kid. You were an Arsenal wonder kid and you went to pieces. Hmm. So, it, you know, it, it should on, give them... I, I, look, I was just going to agree with everything you said and I really like the fact all three of us agreeing on this new year where we're all happy and we're all looking forward. <laughs> but... Wilshere didn't go off to pieces. Wilshere got an incredibly bad tackle in a game against Manchester United, which fucked him up. Yeah. Villa didn't even get a fucking booking. Disgraceful, yeah. disgraceful challenge, and he hasn't been the same since. Um, not sure if he'll ever be able to play at the top level, personally. I'm, I'm not sure it's quite such a good idea. I think Wilshere could absolutely give you 20 minutes of good football off the bench. And that's what I think. I don't think if we were signing him on a short-term contract, we'd be saying, Wilshere's going to start. Lukonga would start, but Lukonga can't play every minute. And if Wilshere can come on and give you 20 minutes and pass the ball around and move it, great, because there's no El Nenny there to come on. Ainsley no, Maitland-Niles' no. head is gone. I was particularly uh, pissed Maitland-Niles off. looks like to be heading to Roma anyway. I was particularly pissed off with Maitland-Niles at the end of the City game when the camera panned to him. And all of the Arsenal team and all of the bench were in a puddle on the floor. And Ainsley was going up and hugging the city guys with a big smile on his face. Now, I know he's a good time guy. I know people handle things differently. But I thought the optics of that was absolutely disgusting. I was like, fuck you. I've always loved you, but jog on. Your mentality's for the team. Well, he's going out the door anyway. Can we just say that Arteta, one of the things we've all agreed, Arteta's playing people based on their performances in training. He keeps talking about it. Talked about Martinelli deserving his break. Talking about Smithrow can't get in because so many players are performing every day, day in, day out in training. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles obviously hasn't done that because he came into the side, played okay, but he's got that lackadaisical attitude. And I bet it's the same in training. I'm sure Ateta looks at him and thinks, fuck's sake, you know, he's, he's another one of those that's got to go. Re replacing with somebody who's hungry and wants to play for this club. Good way to finish, eh, Max? I think that's a very good way to finish. All in all, boys, I think it's an interesting time for Arsenal. It's a great time to be an Arsenal fan. It's a great time to stop being a cunt about Arsenal and to stop putting cunty fucking posts up well, all the that, time. Fucking why not? Fucking why not in our comments? Join us halfway through. Listen to the first 10 minutes. Why not? Listen to the first 10 minutes. Stop your negativity. Don't care if you're just trying to wind me up. It's fucking working. Shaka's still a cunt.
He is still a cunt. There's nothing <laughs> he can do about being a cunt. We will move on from him. And um, we'll be back every week again now, I assume, because I'm back from holiday and everything's happening. Um, listen, subscribe. Can I just say, just, sorry, I'll, just, I'll let you wrap up. But can I just say, there's been loads of comments today. I'm going to have a good read from when we're finished. But thanks, everyone. There's fucking hundreds of comments on this show today, and I, I haven't had a chance to read through them. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Really, really, really. Well, mate, I, said to so, I said to someone the other day, we might not be the biggest podcast in the world. We might not have the hugest listener base, but we get the same guys at the same time every week and they come into the show and they all have great opinions and great comments. So, you know, if you fancy listening to an indie podcast where occasionally homosexual penis jokes get made from everyone on the panel, not just from me, oh, a gen- there's a general collection of ideas here. But if you like that and you don't mind swear words, then Ask Bros is where you need to live. Now, I am going to try and put the video up the first time. What's it in? Banners? Nope, it's not banners. <laughs> Fuck. It's in brand. And, he fucked and, I am, and I am not. I am not going to fuck this up. Good night. This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.